We often talk about screen time as if it affects everyone staring at those flickering pixels in exactly the same way. But if you've got boys and girls in your home, you know that well, the challenges related to raising them can be pretty different. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, back in episode 196, we spent some time talking about how pop culture and entertainment and technology are shaping girls growing up today. Well, today, it's the boys' turn. We're going to focus on them, and we're going to ask some of the same questions that we asked in that conversation. In our second segment, we're going to take a deep dive into the spiritual worldview of Nintendo's Zelda franchise. Our very own Kennedy Unthank will unpack some of the main spiritual ideas in this popular video game franchise, and we're going to talk briefly about why these theological deep dives matter and what you can expect to find as we continue to flesh out this series on our blog. We want you to subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Your endorsement either way means so much to us, and it helps those who are considering listening to The Plugged In Show know what we're all about. Well, joining me for our first segment today are Bob Hoos, Kristen Smith, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hello, hello. Hey, hey. So we're going to talk about raising boys today, and everyone in our conversation has a son. That was sort of the selecting touch point criteria for our conversation today and looking back on your boys formative years and some of us are closer than others <laughs> Kristen, you're still smack yeah. in the middle of the smack formative the years bit, yeah. formative years yes. what present that you and your spouse gave him maybe for birthday maybe on christmas did he enjoy the most i'm mm. looking forward to your answers to this question i'll go first um Okay, my son, this is something that is to come, that he's making this sound like his whole entire world's going to be better because of it. It will be, because I know Heelys. where you're going. He wants Heelys. Oh, that's not where I thought you were yeah. going. If I were a Heely, what would I be? Uh, you'd be a shoe with a rollerblade inside of it. Oh, Heelys. I get it. Yeah. It's in the heel and it's uh-huh. a wheelie. Yeah. A shoe with like a rollerblade inside that's, of it. Yeah, that's yeah that's he's cool. just so excited for these, and he saw a kid at the gym wearing them, and in his mind, he's going to just rollerblade around every physical surface. What about your mind? I am not really looking forward to it in the house. He's going to fall it's, <laughs> face first <laughs> all, right. on every surface. I yeah. told you so not we'll on see. the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> that's mine. Well, we will look forward to an update yeah, we'll see. when uh, the Heelys arrive. Yes. Yeah. All right. I think I think my son was probably some Batman. Th- I, I know we did a Batman collection one Christmas where that is fun. he had a bat cave and all these other bat things. I, I Those things don't leap to mind. I, one that leaps to mind, though, is one that he really didn't like. And so I'm going to use that, though, as my main <laughs> talking point here. That's all right. You guys almost never follow my <laughs> instructions, so and I would expect it, nothing less. We decided we'd do something really fun, and we decided we're going to get him a special... A training session on a sailboat. That is wow. so, so we fun. Actually, that we feels actually, like an wow. epic gift. Yeah, it was really cool. Oh, that is amazing. But he yeah. hated it. I mean, he <laughs> hated it. So, you know, you, you, parents can think, oh, this is cool, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily win the prize. Well, <laughs> that's awesome. And at, at some level, I remember when I was a kid, I used to get my dad presents that I wanted. I think the same thing happens in reverse with dads and sons. We get our boys yeah. either something we couldn't afford or or we'd have thought, oh, man, if I yeah, was yeah. little, yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. really want that. Jonathan, if what I was about little, you? If I was little right now. Right. If I was little <laughs> right now. I would want a sailing exactly. adventure. Yeah. 
No, that's funny. Uh, I'm actually enjoying this with, with my grandson right now, Bob. When you said the Batman thing, uh, my grandson is actually making us call him Spider-Man right now and uh, everything is Spider-Man. But he actually wanted this Batman costume and because we're grandparents, we suckered it and bought him one. But he didn't like the mask, so he put on the Spider-Man mask with the Batman costume. Oh. We were trying to figure out whether he was called Spider-Batman or Bat-Spider-Man. We couldn't figure it out. Or Bat-Spider. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was a catastrophe. Um, with my son, as soon as you asked a question, it's an easy answer and everyone in our family would know it. It was... Nintendo 64. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, I mean, because when he played it at a friend's house, his world changed and he drove us nuts because he would come home and every sentence he would somehow manage into like, oh, we're having dinner tonight. You know, I had dinner over at Jake's house and you know he has Nintendo 64. <laughs> you know, I mean, and like no matter what, he would just be somewhere and he'd it's be like, time Nintendo to go to church. After yeah. church, we can play Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo 64. You know, and it was, it was, it was a good gift. I mean, it was, you know, mostly Mario and this and that. Oh, so yeah. we, that was we, the best was gift. It well, was. It was a good and, one. And I think that one of the great, really wonderful things about being a parent are those times when you can fulfill your child's desire. And play with their toys. And, and, that's right. That's, right, right. That, that's actually more cynical. I was going for straightforward earnestness here. No, but to give your kids something that they are they all, they're so yes. excited about they yes. can't even speak. Yeah. Uh, so oh, for yeah. me... Um, I think it was six or seven years ago, we got my son a bass guitar mm. and amplifier. Oh, that's so fun. And when I oh, say wow. we, I mean wow. me. Yeah, yeah, right. Because my wife didn't even know I had gotten it. I'm like, I think I have one more thing. Wow, that is big. <laughs> what could be in that package? Um, and he has since uh, really just become an amazing musician hmm. and, and now plays a whole bunch of different instruments. And that was, that's he'd so taken cool. piano up to that point, but that was sort of the next step into a, a bigger musical world. That's uh, great. That's I, awesome, Adam. I so enjoy just listening to him play. And, and, you know, sometimes the gifts are discarded by the end of Christmas day, right? Mm -hmm. Right, you know, It's right. like yeah. the anticipation was more than the receipt of the gift. But yeah. but there are those occasional things that they become those inflection points in the lives of our kids. And I think that's a good segue into our bigger conversation today. As I mentioned in the introduction, at Plugged In, we're constantly paying attention to how entertainment and technology shape our kids growing up today. And there are some generalizations that we can make about the prevalence of screen time and how it affects all of us and the ubiquity of smartphones. I love that word, by the way, ubiquity mm -hmm. uh, and the, the potential perils of social media. But that said, my now 17 year old son, he just turned 17, is totally different in the way he engages with technology compared to his two younger sisters in some ways. Uh, the challenges are bigger. I don't have to wonder if I go to bed, if my girls are going to be playing Fortnite all mm. night long or whatever <laughs> he is yeah, playing these days. Yeah. I think actually Fortnite may be in the rearview mirror at this point. And in other ways, I think the challenges are easier. My son just doesn't have the same kind of engaging interest in social media. Yeah. My daughters do. Yeah. Like yeah. left to their yeah. own devices, like literally left to their own devices, which I never do, Jonathan. I just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> you know, they would be on TikTok 24 well, 7. And, and that's right? the thing. That's the thing. If your daughters were up all night, it would probably be social media. Exactly. Yeah. If your son's up all yeah. night, 
It's a video game. It's a video game. It's yeah, different. Yeah. So I think uh, it will be a good opportunity today to talk about boys, to talk about how awesome they are, and sometimes how overwhelming the challenges are when it comes mm. to helping them. You know, even just thinking about video games, I'm like, you know, if we could bottle 1% of the enthusiasm that you have for video games and transfer that to school, whew, <laughs> You'd be valedictorian, uh, but I, I'm getting ahead of myself. So as I mentioned, I think we've all got at least one boy uh, and at least one girl that we have either raised or are raising. And a couple of you are in the grandparent category. So you're you're doing it again at the next level. So how are boys different when it comes to setting limits on technology and entertainment in your experience? Well, I first of all, I would say... We've got to just look at the differences between boys and girls. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's a good start. I, I think our society and activists have pounded over and over and over. There's no difference. There's no difference. They're the exact the same, but that's not true. It's not All true. All the yeah. things that we used to believe were true about boys and girls are pretty much true. Still true. And it really comes down to how they think even. I mean, you could say that there are genetic traits and things sure. like that. but yeah. And there's personality differences. Yeah. Right. right. But even if you look at the science of brain development, yep. I mean, the fact is that women and girls, they develop the right side of their brain so much faster than boys yeah. do. And boys develop the left side of their brain faster than girls. And what that boils down to is that that girls are much more v verbal. They're much more involved in reading. They've, they've got better memories, things like that. Whereas boys are much more tactile and, uh, and focused on problem solving and things like that. And that, that just plays into the difference between male and female. Boys are very active and very involved in active building things. Yep. And let me say one thing here, and I hadn't planned on saying this, but just talking about brain development between boys and girls, years ago, I read Dr. James Dobson's book, Bringing Up Boys. Uh -huh. And in like the first or second chapter, he says something like, and it's been a long time since I've read it, so I'm paraphrasing here. Do you ever wonder if your boys are brain damaged? Well, in fact, they are. <laughs> and he talks about oh one of the differentiating <laughs> things that happens in the womb is that a boy's brain is bathed in testosterone. And one of the things that that does is it changes and, in fact, limits the neural connectivity between the two hemispheres of the brain. Mm. Uh, and so women, females, have way more connectivity between the two lobes, which is why, among other things, women, I'm generalizing, so don't throw oh, rocks yeah, at me, course. tend to be better at multitasking can yeah. keep track of multiple things simultaneously, yeah. whereas boys tend to be more linear and focus on one thing and then the next thing. A lot of that comes down to some really basic brain biology. And so I wholeheartedly agree with you yeah. in saying that yeah. when we try to say they're all the same, biologically, boys and girls are hardwired in a very right. different way at yes. the neural level. And, and so we can mm -hmm. we can then look at how they approach things like social media and yep. video games. And it makes more sense yes. that, that okay. it's very different. It's very different. They, they approach things differently. And and so we need to then deal with the boys differently. We can't just do this blanket coverall. That's good, Hoos. You know, so. Yeah. I, I only have a three and almost six-year-old at this point, but. But it's probably a big enough sample size that you're already seeing gender differences. Oh, my. Oh, right? my. Well, when my son was born, probably around two, I just remember thinking, I'm tired watching you. 
Like, you're exhausting. <laughs> and this kid just doesn't stop. I mean, he has so much energy. And I, we were living in a really small house at the time. And I and this is when I brought my daughter home. And he would just, like, bouncing off of every corner of the house. I'm like, sit sit down, child. And um, that just, like, wasn't, wasn't in his, like, DNA. Um, but I think it's interesting because even from... My my husband brought down the Xbox, which is like a hundred years old. We probably need a new one. Um, but my was son it the OG it. Xbox first I don't, generation? I have no 1999? idea. Nineteen ninety nine. No, probably not. Should make it you know twenty four <laughs> years old. Well, he brought this Xbox down, and he showed my son like there's a few um, Pixar like games on there, and now Judah's world is just. Yeah, I mean, he's so excited to play these games. Now, it works as fantastic <laughs> leverage, let me tell you, yeah, for yeah. discipline and obedience. However, when he's on that thing, the world doesn't exist. I mean, it, it does not exist outside of this. And my daughter will play like a tablet at the same time and get sick of it. She gets yeah. bored. She's like, yeah, OK, I played for a little bit. I'm done. He could play that thing for hours. And so I do totally agree. Well, it is and that, important. that is a great point. The fact is that video games are really hot for boys. Yeah. And I'm not saying that girls oh, yeah. don't play. They do. But girls would trend towards sort of casual relationship games. Uh, and boys are much more action. And that's why, that's why you know, when, when people start talking about violent video games, yeah. boys will trend toward violent video games because of that, that desire for it to be immersed in something exciting and something action-focused. Yeah, I think there's a huge aspect of masculinity as well in that. And I, we could talk about this a lot more, but culture trying to, like, really emasculate young boys and make them like girls. Right. Um, I mean, you tell them they can't play with a gun, what are they going to do? They're going to go pick up a rock or a stick. My, like yeah, they're in my touch son with, could make a gun out of anything. Right. They're yeah. in touch with their inner caveman. <laughs> yes. You don't have to teach them that. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? It is funny as, as boys grow up. Uh, so, so, you know, I had my, my oldest as a boy, then two girls. And it's funny, uh, I co-wrote a book with one of my daughters and she was describing boys from from no prompting with me she was describing kind of the differences between guys and girls and she wrote this one chapter just about guys and she told this story of how she and a bunch of her college friends and she went on to say she goes and these were some very pretty girls and we had these guys over for dinner and these guys somehow discovered one of the girls had a xbox and also the guys were like what and they're like can we hook this up and and they're like, yeah. And she said the night was gone because the guys all of a sudden started looking and they're like cooking dinner. She goes, we were like walking in front of the screen and like, do you want this or this? And they're like, can, I, can you get out of the way, please? You know, like, get, get out of the way. And it's funny because and, and here's where I'm going to insert a point, though. Um, these are general rules. These aren't always yes. across the board because yeah. there's right. exceptions. I, if I was in that room, oh man, I would have been in the kitchen with them girls. I would have not been playing the video. I had right. no care about video games. Sure. I would have been in the kitchen with the girls. Right. You know, so there's different people. You know, it's funny in my marriage, I'm the emotional one where my wife is like, eh, you know I mean? It's like, so, I mean, there's exceptions to the rules, you know, sure. there, there definitely are. These are broad strokes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. We're making in, generalizations. It, yeah. In general though, it is funny how distracted guys can be, you know, visually. And it's funny how a video game Trump girl, that's kind of weird, you know, but, but it happens. I think this is actually super interesting because I see this in my son. Like he has already mentioned, like he saw, I don't even, I think my brother was playing Call of Duty and I came in and I was like, shut this off. He's five. 
like shut it off. Um, we'll have this conversation right. later. But he was already he already has an interest, right, to do something like this. And I think this is kind of where the world comes in. And right now, the popular thing, right, is to emasculate boys and to to call everything toxic masculinity if it resembles masculinity at all to kill it off. Um, and it is a plague. It's terrible. I am not okay with it. But I think the importance is you have to steward the things that are in them, right? And so, like, right. in the same way that boys have different interests in video games, they're not going to want, like, I used to be a high school teacher. I had to sell my poetry lessons to these boys. They did not care <laughs> about poetry. They're like, can we do something different? This is so boring. And I felt for them. And so, learning how to incorporate, right now, I'm homeschooling my kids. I have to teach my son differently than my daughter. Like we take breaks. I have him do challenges and push-ups and do all this stuff so that he's getting that out the way that I feel like boys need to instead of medicating him and calling it ADD and saying that he's a problem child because he's not hardwired the same way my daughter is. Man, I mean, so many great things that we could talk about yeah. with regard to that. I want to circle back to the video game topic just a little bit, and then I want to press in some different directions in our conversation. Yeah. Why do you think it, video games in particular tend to be such a draw with boys? And then the, you know, both sides of the coin question I want to follow up with is what's good and what's bad about that? Because I think that we yeah. can tend to categorize it as, oh, my boy's addicted to video games. It's all bad. Right, right. right. Or we can say, ah, it's no big deal if they play a video game all night for 12 hours. And I think both mm -hmm. of those extremes are potentially problematic. Right. Yeah, so agreed. Yeah. what is it about yeah. video games yeah. that is so appealing to boys? I believe it's three things. One, because they're immersive, first of all. Okay. Yeah. They set up this world that draws you in. That's the way they're designed. Secondly, it's an exciting world. Okay. There are things in there and boys really enjoy exciting stuff they're mm -hmm. they're very active and they like being in active environments you can do things in video games that you can't do in the real world oh, yeah. and you can be a hero in a video game that you yep. can't be in a, in a real world and boys enjoy imaginative things like that anyway uh, when I was a kid you know we would go out and leap off the barn with a towel around our neck yeah, yeah. but I mean it would be that sort of thing <laughs> where you've got you've got this action and you can do things that's the second thing in, in video games and then I think thirdly video games are also designed to reward you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as you're going along, there are all these little rewards that say, isn't this fun? You get this, this, in this trunk over here. Look what you find. And now you can use it in this next chapter. Let's stick with it. And it, and they keep you going. They keep you going. And, and you just want to keep driving forward toward the next goal. Well, and with regard to that, I think on one level, Again, there's a brain chemistry thing happening there. Yeah. When we get those rewards, there's a dopamine hit that right. charges us up that potentially fuels an addictive element. Right. Um, on another level, one of the more interesting books on boys and fatherhood that I have read is Boys Adrift by Dr. Leonard Sachs. Now, mm -hmm. he's not coming from a Christian point of view. He's a secular psychologist. But he talks about how video games have become one of the very few places in society that enables boys to achieve and to excel. And so they have a sense of affirmation and achievement so good. in this world that the school system oh, is, yeah. is often geared against them. Yep. Um, and he says the problem with that is even in a hard video game, those level ups come much more easily than they do in the mm -hmm. real world. That leveling yeah. up in real yeah. life is very hard or relatively harder. 
And so boys get discouraged and they check out and then they go back to the video games and that cycle reinforces itself. I think that's kind of because the second part of your question was yeah. when it becomes an addictive nature, right? When you're like, hey, I'm on this for 12 hours. You, there has to still be a sense of reality, right? right? And this is why we put limits on technology across right. the board for girls and boys. Because for my son, like I've I, even in little things like this might seem silly, but I need help with groceries. I'm constantly, buddy, you're so strong. Thank you so much. Could you pick this up for me? Could you help me? And he, I just watch him get like so excited that at, at those affirmations. Is so incredibly important yes. for boys. And if they're seeing that, right, and they're only getting that in a video game, who wouldn't want that? Of course, you're going to want that. And so creating those go camping, go on a hike, whatever that looks like. Again, we know that these are generalizations, but right. whatever that looks like for your son, provide that because if not, they're going to go to the outlet in the same way girls will. But taking the opposite tack and saying no more video games ever, throw yeah. it in the trash. Right. That's not necessarily a, a positive either. No, I mean, it's you not. can use yeah. like you were saying. Kristen, the, the the whole idea of of using games to to give them some a treat, give them some sort of goal they can work mm-hmm. toward. Yeah. You want them to clean up their room? Sure, you can want, play video games right after you get done with the room. Sure, okay. You know, I mean, it's it can be a positive thing. Agreed. I think a lot of it comes down to kind of uh, are we not not just teaching, but are we modeling yeah. self control? Yeah. Because in one of the books I was writing about young men. Um, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing that was kind of dangled before young men today uh, was a lot of these visual temptations, whether on a screen, whether it be like pornography or whether it be something like video games. Um, A lot of these, even substances nowadays, everything is kind of like, oh, let me just kind of take the easy way. Let me do what I feel like doing instead of what, what impulsively feels good at the moment rather than what's maybe necessarily better for me in the long run. And so how can we not only teach, but model to our children, all our children, boys and girls, but specifically with, with our boys, um, you know, kind of reward for uh, being a person of self-control. And I know that if I could go and do parenting again, there were so many things I tried to teach you know, like, well, here's the, you know, if we do this, then we get this. And I wish I just would have modeled more self-control, me in particular, in the area of anger, in the area of uh, conflict management, that kind of stuff. So, so my son could have seen, hey, this is what a person who's not led by his own desires, but led by the spirit. That's this so is good, what Jonathan. it looks like when conflict happens. And I feel like blowing up and clobbering somebody, but instead... Look at the patience that dad's getting from somewhere other than himself because there's no way if he was doing this himself that he could do this. Wow, he must be connected to something greater than himself. And wouldn't it be cool if we could model that, not just teach it? Well, we model it and I think we talk about limits and we talk about consequences. I think that we live in a world that wants to deny the reality of limits. Right. In so many ways, you know, limits on gender, limits on behavior, limits on reality. You know, we we now have virtual reality. We have AI. We want to transcend even our bodies sometimes. And our kids are are growing up in this environment and our boys are growing up in this environment where, you know, there's a repudiation of limits. But the reality is, I think one of the primary challenges of moving toward adulthood is dealing with that reality of limits. So the boundaries we set are so important. And I think we as parents have a responsibility to not just set limits, but be able to 
talk about the reasons behind everything. Yeah, it's not dictatorial. I mean, you think about things in your youth that you experienced that later on in life you thought, boy... I wish somebody could have just talked mm-hmm. to me about the reality mm-hmm. of that and and talked to me about some of the dangers of doing this or that, and they didn't, and I had to learn the hard way. Yep. I think as parents, we can take that opportunity. Mm-hmm. We've, we talk about that all the time, right. about connecting with our kids, having conversations, You and you can just be do it in short, casual conversations mm-hmm. too, just things where you ask questions and then you listen. Yeah. You listen and you don't judge, but you guide through basic conversations with your kids. I think those those can be very important. And I think it's uh, uh, something that we as parents can value. Well, and I think we're moving in a, a little bit different direction in our conversation toward parenting in general, as opposed to the role that technology and entertainment plays. Sure. But I do want to say, as I parent my 17 year old, It's an ongoing attempt to balance between empathy and listening and affirming him and also challenging him, um, setting those boundaries, talking about consequences. You know, he's really, really, really struggling deeply with calculus because he's in a charter school and they push really hard. He's doing like second year college Mm -hmm. calculus as a high school senior. and. And it's not his thing. And I know that. It wasn't my thing either. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to to sort of let him blow off the steam when he gets angry about how much homework, you know, eats up his life and how hard it is, but helping him understand that pushing through that, you know, to, you know, grab the old saw, it really is developing his character in ways totally. that he's not going to be able to understand until he's much older. Right. Um, and, and I think when it comes to screen time and entertainment when we are stressed out and this applies to i think all of us it applies to us as adults it applies to men it applies to women we're always just an arm's length away from picking up our phone and escaping right Mm -hmm. and there are times that's fine but again that modeling if i as a dad if all they ever see me doing is escaping into my screen. Yep. That's the message it sends to them too, that that's normal, that that's appropriate. As or that that to, is worth, that's more worth your attention exactly. and desire well, than right. your There's children. There's the whole right? relational component right. too. So we have covered a tremendous amount of ground here today. And I feel like we've just sort of scratched the surface yeah. Yeah. of this conversation. I think it's safe to say raising boys isn't easy uh, and raising boys in our tech and screen based world is hard. But again, as we so often say, I think the emphasis is on relationship. The goal is not perfection. We're probably not going to get it perfect, but you know, we also don't want to just throw up our hands and and quit the fight because that, you know, just surrenders our son to a, a world that wants to gobble them up. So we have to be the ones modeling and teaching self-control as you guys have talked about and, and hopefully doing that not in a legalistic way that hardens their heart. I think about what Paul says, I believe in Ephesians, it says, fathers do not exasperate your sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't say parents don't exasperate your children. I, I think sons in particular have a tendency to get exasperated with their parents and with their dads. Uh, and I think that exasperation comes when we have harsh rules without relationship mm-hmm. that will breed a hard heart and rebellion, but we want to keep entering in. We want to keep setting those limits. Uh, and we want to understand that in a good way, boys are going to be boys. And we don't, as Kristen said, need to medicate that 
or therapeutically try to iron that out of existence because yeah. there's a part of that masculinity in those boys that is absolutely the way God designed them. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for participating in this conversation today. And if, as you're listening, you have stories that you want to share, we would love to hear from you. And you can let us know at team at thepluggedinshow.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks. Well, in our second segment today, Kennedy Unthank is here to unpack a new series that we are publishing on our blog regularly. We're calling it Theology Of, and we're starting with Nintendo's long-running Legend of Zelda franchise. So here's what we're trying to do with this occasional series, and you can look for one of these maybe once a month or so moving forward, we'll be looking at different pop cultural touchstones. Those might be video games, they might be movies or TV shows, and we're going to unpack them in a deep dive way, taking a close look at their theological underpinnings in more detail than we might normally do in one of our standard reviews. So, Kennedy, our new Theology of series was your brainchild. Tell us a little bit why you think taking such a deep dive into the theology of something entertainment-wise is so important for us. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, it goes well along with what we tried to do at Plugged In. Okay. Which is we believe that, you know, every piece of entertainment has a story. It has a message that goes along with that. Okay. Uh, these messages, they can influence what we believe they can desensitize us they might just inform us okay you know uh but that also includes anything that has to do with like a spiritual worldview as well yeah and so that's the main reason why we're doing this is because hey these games i mean legend of zelda is super innocent yeah but you can still have these kind of theological implications that talk about who god is what good is what salvation is well, I love that. I want to unpack that a little bit more. I think you've helped us understand why you picked Legend of Zelda for our first entry in this new series. You actually wrote a whopping 6,000 words on this, which is yeah. a lot. Um, and you come at it both from a plugged in perspective and from you know a player's perspective, having played these games. And, and these games can go for hundreds of hours if you want to. So there's a huge mm. amount of exposure here. What can parents expect to find, you know, if they have a young Zelda fan and you started to hint at it, but yeah. tell us some of the things that were in your 6,000 word pair of articles. <laughs> yeah. So, well, part of the reason though, why I did choose Legend of Zelda first is because most people don't usually think spiritual when they think Legend of Zelda, they okay. think like dungeon crawling, puzzle solving, uh, ocarina playing, you know, yeah. they don't think of the spiritual thing, but there are a bunch of spiritual elements that come along with it Okay, um, that we just want to unpack. Um, so in the first blog, uh, I kind of unpack the the general spiritual framework okay. for the whole series. You know, why is this all taking place? How did it start? Um, I also cover some of the more important characters that parents might want to know, the places and the concepts. Okay. Um, that way, you know, I don't want people going to their kid and obviously not knowing what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's very obvious when you don't know <laughs> you what you're talking about. can't fake it, right? <laughs> um, but it'll also tie Zelda's worldview into some questions related to the gospel in case you wanted to uh, bring that conversation uh, towards a more biblical worldview. Now, in the second part, uh, for the parent who isn't as interested in all the, like, overarching general the framework. nuts and bolts. Yeah. Uh, we also have a second part that goes through every single game 
and it covers each specific game and what spiritual content you can uh, find within each game. So maybe you don't really care about the whole overarching spiritual framework, but maybe you just bought Ocarina of Time and you want to know, hey, what about this game in particular? What's in here specifically? That's what that second blog is about. Okay. So we're really trying to give a narrative overview, a worldview overview, and then specifically with franchises that have multiple entries in them, some specific concrete things related to each one. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, what would you say are some of the big theological observations or takeaways that, that parents even right now would need to be aware of if they have a young fan of this franchise? Uh, well, Zelda is inherently, I think, a bit dualistic. Okay. Say more about what that means. Uh, so dualism is this belief that there's not inherently one super supernatural power over everything else. Instead, they say, well, no, there's these two powers, typically good and evil, which right. are in a constant struggle against each other. Neither one of them has ultimate authority over the other, and they are constantly battling uh, you see this a lot more in like kind of Eastern Yeah, I was going to uh, say, it's a, it's a pretty Eastern spirituality. Um, and Legend of Zelda is generally the same thing. You have Link and Zelda who represent generally the good guys. And Link's the main character, Yes, right? and Link is the main character. Um, and then you have Ganondorf, or sometimes you have like a wizard named Vati. You have these other guys who represent the bad side. And there are times when, no, the bad guys win, Um, If you really want to look through like the extensive lore of Legend of Zelda, there's a whole subsection of the games where this is what happens if Link dies in Ocarina of Time. (laughs) Okay. Then you have this offshoot of games that happen. And here are the games that happen if Link doesn't die. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, it it comes from a very dualistic perspective. Um, There's a lot of talk about like demons and stuff, but these aren't demons like we would understand them in Christian theology. These are uh, generally just using the word demon to represent something evil. Right. Well, and let me say about dualism, and I think this is a theological point that is worth expanding just a little bit. Um, Dualism is a worldview that has been around at least as far back as Gnosticism. Some of the Mm -hmm. early heresies in the church posited, uh, you know, God and the devil being in this sort of, locked in this battle where they're both mm-hmm. they're both equal and scripture very clearly from start to finish repudiates dualism but games like this can reinforce that idea that somehow you know christianity and those who believe are one side of that you know good equation and the devil is equally powerful on the other he's yeah. not that's bad theology but but dualism can really sink into our thinking in all kinds of ways and i think this is one of them i don't think mm-hmm. that means you have to throw zelda out but i think it's worth talking about no and i think that's something that uh needs to be made clear these blogs aren't indictments right of these franchises we've covered so far we've covered legend of zelda and we've covered uh lost the tv show yep and you know we're going to cover a lot more um and just because you see a blog on these series come out it doesn't mean we're like hey don't play this don't watch this right it's just a saying hey we are exploring this thing just so you can know about this kind of stuff just so you know i don't think it has to be something where it's like oh well Legend of Zelda has this dualistic theology so that, therefore, we cannot play it. And I'll be quite frank, I enjoy the Legend of Zelda games. Yeah. Uh, But I enjoy them because I can distance myself. I've, you know, guarded my heart against that. I don't 
allow that kind of this fictional theology to to come into my own theology about who God actually is. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's an important disclaimer is we're not saying, hey, this is inherently something you cannot do. Right. That we're just saying, hey, think about this. Think about how it might influence you. Think about how you might actually, even if it doesn't influence you, think about how you might be able to turn this into a gospel conversation. Well, yeah. And you used the phrase earlier in our conversation, a bridge to the gospel. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the right thing. And it doesn't mean that we over-spiritualize things or... We try to, you know, pull a spiritual message out of something where it doesn't exist. But I do think that when we're dealing with inherently spiritual ideas, there are ways to look for common ground. I know one time my son and I were talking about Pokemon and Ash, the main character there, was willing to sacrifice himself to save his friends. And my Mm -hmm. son said, yeah, just like Jesus did for us. And I loved that he was making the connection between the gospel and the spiritual elements in this particular story. So I think that's what it means to equip our kids to think critically and biblically about worldview is Mm -hmm. we're constantly comparing and contrasting. And sometimes if something has enough problems, Mm -hmm. we say, you know what, that's going to be out of bounds. Yeah, no, it's definitely a fun thing. You know, if if you go through the blog, I have tried to write questions that I don't think are outlandish, you know, if you really want to connect this. For instance, in the newer uh, Legend of Zelda games, uh, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, uh, you get to collect uh, these these orbs, these spirit orbs generally is what they're called, from these shrines. Once you have four of those, you go to this this, uh, statue of of the goddess Hylia, who's this really important character from the beginning of the game. Um, and if you have four of those, then she'll give you a little stat boost. Okay. And so, you know, I expanded on that. I was like, that's inherently, that means this is a workspace system. Okay. She's not going to bless your character who is supposed to be destined right. to, to, to kill Ganondorf and rid the world of evil. Unless you first solve four puzzles. Yeah. And I'm like, well, hold on. I mean, I get, it's fun. It wouldn't be as fun as right. a game if the god is highly. was just like, here you go. Now go kill him. Right. But it is. it does inherently mean, hey. Got to work for you, it. You got to work gotta it. You got to earn it on your yeah, own. You have to earn this if you want it, you know. Um, and so that's kind of a comparison I made because I was like, well, the gospel says that if you have faith, it is given to you. Yeah. I love that. I love the way that you're thinking critically and biblically about, you know, ideas in these games, which I'm reasonably certain that the designers of the games were not thinking about Christian theology explicitly when they were making Mm -hmm. them. And, you know, again, with this series, just to bring our conversation in for a landing today, what we're hoping to do is to model what does that look like? When I say thinking biblically and critically, if you're not sure what that means, mm-hmm. we're going to give you sort of a, an in-depth case study. And I think especially if you have you know, a young Zelda fan, this could be a, a terrific tool that you would find at the blog at pluggedin.com. Yeah. And like I said, that's really the whole thing is about just understanding how does this content inherently portray God yes and how does it portray salvation and these other spiritual concepts like good versus evil like is it saying that evil could be good sometimes because that's that's a spiritual concept right if you want to talk about morality morality is inherently tied to something greater than ourselves love that Um, because when you portray any spiritual theme uh, you are inherently saying something about who God is at least who the God of your medium is, mm-hmm. whatever your entertainment is. And so we just want to be cognizant of 
how that message about your fictional God that you've created might unintentionally bleed uh, into how we view our the one real true God. God. Yeah, the true God. Love that, Kennedy. Thanks so much for helping us understand what's happening in this pair of articles on The Legend of Zelda and why we're going to continue to do these uh, in-depth explorations of things that are rich with spiritual meaning. Mm-hmm. And your lost blogs are are also on PluggedIn.com and look for more in the future. Yeah. Well, now it's time for a part of the show we call Name That Movie, in which each of us gives a log line, a little descriptor of a movie, and the rest of us have to guess what it is. And I thought, since we talked about boys in our opening segment today and the challenges and the opportunities in raising them, it would be fun to do a boyhood-themed edition. So, are y'all ready? Mm -hmm. Y'all ready to play the game? Who wants to go first? Do I have an intrepid volunteer? Sure, Kristen, go ahead. Yeah, Kristen, we pick you. (laughs) That was smooth. All right, who's... Okay, my movie is about a boy who finds his feet in a Vespa for the first time. The scooter. Feet? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Isn't that a good one? Oh, I know what it is. Uh, It's that that Pixar movie. Uh, I guess we'll have to see if you know it's a a boy's name. It's uh, Louis, Frankie... I'm close. Oh, Fred? <laughs> what is it? I mm, I know what it is, but I can't think of it. Tell me if you need the answer. Do you guys know? I don't know. It came out like two years ago. Luna? I, I have Luna. no clue. Luca. 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 There My you brain go. was so close. I mean, it was fun that I was- It was good. That was good. Almost, but not quite. Uh-huh. And, and you know, as they say, almost only counts in horseshoes. It was yeah. Yeah. four letters like Fred. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just the same, yeah. Okay. Luca, I was, I was so close, but- it's hard to get old because sometimes files get deleted. <laughs> Mr. Hoos, you want to go next? Sure. Um, I, I figured I'd do uh, a boy and a game thing, too. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Oh, no. A, a young gamer oh. is looking for an in-game Easter egg that will make him rich and save the world. Oh, oh I know this one. Oh, my, oh, my goodness. goodness. Oh, ready Player One. Yes. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Well, when Ooh. he said boys in gaming, I was just going to be like, ready player one? Because how many, you know, <laughs> war games, ready player well, one? Well, yeah, no. <laughs> I, war games was the other thing I thought <laughs> like, of. Anyway, Jonathan. Okay, here we go. Um, a bunch of boys who, by the way, when we watch this movie, will be like, oh my gosh, look at them, they were just boys. Those boys fight other boys because the rich boys didn't like the poor boys. And then the poor boy killed one of the rich boys and everything spiraled. Uh, West Side Story? No, 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 no. I read this book in high school. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. It was written by the nurse in the movie. I know, I know. Oh, my goodness. Scanning. You guys, our brains aren't working Uh, today. Lord of the Flies. No, it's not Lord of the Flies. (laughs) I could lead you astray by telling you who was in the movie, and it'll totally confuse you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, Outsiders. (laughs) The Outsiders. Yes, the Outsiders. (laughs) Oh, there you go. There you go. You guys, I've never gotten any of these right. If you want to see see an adorable little Tom Cruise, watch The Outsiders. (laughs) All right. Uh, mine's mine's an easy softball sort of you know just Star not, Wars knock it out yeah of right it's not Star Wars although <laughs> Star man Wars finds his father is a villain <laughs> right 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 and he gets really upset when he can't go to Tashi Station <laughs> Uncle Owen Luke Skywalker whines a lot anyway now back to the game a famous comedian helms a story about the journey from boyhood to manhood in a story that's funny poignant and profound. 
and one that did more for the love of poetry than almost any other movie I can think of. Oh, didn't we talk about this last, like, two weeks ago? So you're talking about Robin Williams? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Dead Poets? Yeah. Yeah, yes, Dead Poets Society. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. one sounded excited. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, yeah. Okay, love anyway. poetry. Can we all say anticlimactic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've seen that one. We've done that one before. All right. Well, this week we also heard from a listener named Alex who submitted this Name That Movie suggestion. Oh, good. A young gamer with an active imagination is drawn into the world of espionage and intrigue when spies come looking for a very special game cartridge in his possession. Oh, wow. Star Wars. I don't know. I think it's Star Wars, and actually, he didn't give us the answer. Oh, he didn't give oh, us the answer. No. Uh, you know, there's there's one there's one rather sounds familiar. L- odd movie called Max Reloaded. Oh. Okay, um, but I don't know if there were spies wait, in wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. I know what it is. Oh, oh wait, oh, what it oh, is. Oh, wait. You know what? coming our, into the studio. Our producer Ashley. Oh, thank goodness you're yes, here because I'm, I'm not sure that we got it. And <laughs> she has just sprinted from the control room yes, <laughs> into the studio. Ashley, because what is the answer? Movie. It is Cloak and Dagger oh, with a young Henry, what's his name, from E.T. Thomas. Henry, Henry Thomas. Thomas. Henry Thomas and Dabney Coleman. Oh, Great movie. Who could wow. forget Dabney Coleman? Fresh well, off yeah, his success yeah. in war games. That's right. Well, that's a great addition to this game, game <laughs> segment. Huh? Yeah. All addition. right. You know... It takes a village, right? And sometimes it takes a producer. So thank you, Ashley. <laughs> she just curtsied. So I just want to, like, you know, let you know what's happening since she's see. not on the mic anymore. Well, thanks, Alex, for sending that in. I think we had more fun with that question than perhaps we were anticipating. So thanks, Ashley, for your contribution. And Alex, we love that you're listening and participating in this game. And we would love to hear from the rest of you. If we get enough entries, maybe we can play an entire round with listener submissions. So keep them coming. Well, thanks again for taking some time to join us today. We would love to hear what you have to say about what we talked about. What stood out to you in our conversation about the challenges of raising boys and helping them to navigate technology and screens and just this crazy world we're living in? Or if you're a Zelda fan, what did you think about my conversation with Kennedy Unthank about the theology and the worldview of Zelda? You can let us know at thepluggedinshow.com and there you'll find a tab where you can leave us a voicemail that we might just use on a future show or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Well, from time to time, we also like to let you know about resources that Focus on the Family has available to help you in the areas that we talk about on the show. One of those is Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen. And today, for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of that book. And you will find a link with all of the details on how to do that in the episode notes for today's show. Thanks again for joining us for the Plugged In Show this week. We hope that it was encouraging, challenging, and maybe gave you that one bit of information that you needed this week to help you and your family in the areas of technology and popular culture. And we look forward to joining you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. 
It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.